What's up, folks? We are back for another review. Um, you know, big fun times. Zach's making a weird face. I'm not exactly sure what's going on. And something's making, like, stomach grumble noises. Oh, that was my stomach, I um, Wait, was that really your stomach? This is how we open the show. Yes, 100%. 100%. I hit the start broadcast, and my stomach goes, gurgle, gurgle. So loud. You probably should go to a doctor. That should not go through the computer sound. Well, I guess I think it's because uh, the microphone was very close to my chest. So I Can think it's like a. Just talk about your gastrointestinal system for this podcast instead. I'd, I think it's in quite good shape. Um, okay. So I don't think that it's a good concern. It does not sound like it. It sounds like you're about to like give birth to an alien. It's going to pop out of your. <laughs> <laughs> well, I eat, a, I eat a lot of vegetables. I think I'm pretty good. Um, yeah. I think I'll be fine. Um, drink a lot of water. I think I'll be okay. Um, let's not let's not get <laughs> all the way down. This. We are here to review In the Heights, which is the film we kind of built our entire month of June around, our entire month of musicals around. And um, yeah, In the Heights is here. Um, we're going to do uh, a non-spoiler section, a spoiler section, and then a little bit of discussion at the end to talk about um, the implications of the film going forward, um, which I'll explain when we get there. Let's jump into a quick non-spoiler section. Mr. Zach Ford, if somebody said to you, should I watch In the Heights, what would you say? Yeah, why not? What else are you doing with your life? <laughs> um, I, I will say, and I wonder um, if the buzz gets dampened by it being on HBO because it is such a big screen movie in a lot of ways. Um, it's And it's just so summery. Um, after watching it with my wife and my mom, I was like, did you feel like this was 2020? Because I feel like all spring last year was just like leading up to like in the heights starting summer. To her, in my head, I'm still like, this is summer of 2020, a year off. I'm just always going to relate it to the summer that never happened. But so it almost like was nostalgic in a way. It was like getting to relive the summer that we never have. There is just, it's just positive vibes. Um, the conflict is... Um, it's there, but it's like grounded and minimal. And it, it, although I think sometimes the direction and acting of it can veer it towards like kind of melodramatic tone, but the drama itself is inherently not melodramatic in a way. It's really life It's all, um, I don't want to say slights, um, kind of a degrading word, but it's all to a, not the focus. The focus is the community vibes, the good feelings, the being together, and, and that, you know, emits great joy for me um I, you know i have issues with um you know some of the the plotting and the pacing um for sure and and i don't think the songs are all that terrific and kind of run together a little samey but i think the direction makes it so lively i i said the tone makes it um kind of charming in its way that that i think it's definitely worth a watch yeah i feel like my take is very similar i think we came down um in similar places we are both in the enjoy in the heights um we are not out here proclaiming this to be the best movie of the year or no. like some masterpiece or thing we think it was i think i'm very much similar to you in that it was a fun time you know it's an enjoyable tone it's got a lot of like attractive people doing some great dancing you know singing some fun songs it's, it's yeah. a good time it's a good time to watch it, it definitely has some pacing issues it feels too long um I don't know enough about the. I said this in my review. I don't know enough about the original source material to tell you what could have been cut versus what needed to stay in for like functionality. But um, it definitely feels like there are moments in this film where you're just like, 
I, I'm so I was so excited after that dance number, and now I am very very bored um, in other moments. Um, so yeah, it's an inconsistent but very enjoyable, very fun, very uplifting uh, summer watch. Yeah, hard hard to hate even when you're bored. You can't like say it's bad. No, yeah, because like even the moments I didn't enjoy were like I, I was not hating on them. I was just like, okay, can we skip it? Like it was the 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 movie feels like it's gonna be so much more enjoyable in like packaged up for YouTube because there yeah. are scenes in this movie that I'm gonna want to watch 20 times and I can just skip the stuff in between them that doesn't work as well because there are scenes in this movie that like I I you know just pop them on you'll feel happy like it's kind of that kind of movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's jump into our spoiler section. Um. Anyone who has not seen the film or does not want to be spoiled for In the Heights, which is currently streaming on HBO Max and in theaters around the United States, because I do not believe it has much of a release worldwide, at least if the box office returns or anything to say, um, jump off. But if you're ready to dive into spoilers, let's jump into the spoiler section. Did um, you dive into spoilers, a joke, because there's a long pool scene? It's a great scene. It's a really great scene. It's a fun scene. It's very fun. Um Okay, let's let's. Hmm. I okay. I'll I'll say it this way. I think the performances are all good, except for one, which I think you and me are always going to grant. Um, we are. I know. I I'm not sure who oh, is it. Lin Manuel Miranda. We're, we're we are we are captains. <laughs> Lin should write his own write his musicals I, and stop he, being in them. He's always the weakest performance in his own things. I wasn't going to go off on that because this is really just a cameo. He's barely in it. It's kind of just a bit. Oh, I don't think – I'm not going to go off on it. I just don't think he's very good even in the camera. I think he's fine because he just, like, doesn't matter. So it's, like, enjoyable. And I'd like, sure, of course he's here. And I'm glad he didn't have a bigger role. And he, if they made this 15 years ago, it would have been starring him. But he aged out for the role. And, and I do want to say how much on my mind it was that he – I don't know how much creative control he had throughout making this. You know, he didn't direct it. It is his play. But it do, does seem like they tried so hard to make Anthony Ramos like a Lemon Monroe and Avatar. He, the way he raps in this is, is very similar to Cadence and even the tone of the voice. But more so, the fucking, like, little beard is so Lin Monroe Miranda-ish and not like what I was previously associated with kind of a clean-cut Anthony Ramos. He just looks so much like him in this movie. And I feel like he was like, if I'm not mm -hmm. able to be the lead, I'm going to make the person most like me to be the lead. Um, but luckily, fortunately, Anthony Ramos has a lot more on-screen charm and um, just general star power. I think he's pretty terrific throughout this movie. Yeah, he's really um, good. Yeah, and he just – around Miranda, I said, for the most part, never knows how to really act with his face. It, everything no. always looks low and authentic and a little yeah, staged. And he can, you know, actually emit real emotion. I think comedically when he's trying to play like the awkward um, man in love does not always work. It's kind of cheesy um, and a little forced. But I think in the dance sequences, the music sequences, he's all really good. And the, you know, the internal drama of like, where should I be? Should I move? I think all works. And being the book and the narrating piece, because he has, you know, that level of charm to make that connective tissue function, I think. And a lot happier that he is deleted out from the normal Miranda is my main. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, to be honest, I don't blame him for the whole acting like goofy and in love thing. I think that part is just written in a way that it's literally impossible to play it, and not a way that just makes you look like a complete idiot. Um, I do love his nephew, um, played by uh, Gregory Diaz, 
the fourth who is very funny in those scenes and is yeah. like clearly very talented and also just very engaging as a screen presence um quite often you get like teenagers performers who are either just stereotypes or kind of uninteresting and he's not only an actual teenager he's 16 years old but he's like very very impressive throughout the film yeah. it's like a really really solid supporting performance this is where I think an issue of them having to stay, you know, as faithful as they can to the source material is I think the most interesting drama in the movie is his storyline. But I would have to believe as dreamers have became a more politically resonant thing that this has to be a lot added since then, because this is what, like a 15 year old musical or 10 year old musical, that they, that might not have been as strong of a component in the original source material. They definitely are updating the references to the modern days. Yeah. Um, so the musical ran in 2008 is when it ran. So clearly the references of, you know, the vestiges of the George Bush era are not the same as something to come out post Trump era. Yeah. Um, those are yeah, clearly the, very different time periods. Yeah. The dreamers protest is very something that exists today. And I found that so engaging. I wish they could have delved more into it rather it more be just being a, a stepping stone for, um, you know, the main plot, it is all just a reason for Anthony Ramos to, you know, feel purpose back in Washington mm -hmm. Heights, rather than really letting that kid have his true, you know, emotional growth himself. Because I think that's definitely the most engaging drama throughout the movie. I think this is actually one of my biggest critiques of the film is that I wish it was more inherently political. I think this movie has a has a real ability to make a statement, to make a message, to talk about how this is a community of Latinos who is at threat at times because of laws yeah. in our country related to immigration, related to dreamers, related to DACA. Like the system, just the system of dreamers is like, they thought they were secure under one administration. The next administration basically tried to kick them out. The current one is probably going back. But like what happens in four years, the like the inherent instability of that situation. I think they had a yeah. real chance to make a political statement. And I do feel at times this movie really tones down like the politics and the actual aspects of these people's lives in favor of something more flashy but without substance, which to me really does feel like a really feels like a critique of the director. Um, I find him to be very flashy, but very shallow. And it's the same reason I kind of watched Crazy Rich Asians and was like, I don't like I don't get why people like this very much. Like I thought it was very meh. And I feel like at times in the heights, I wanted it to be more hard cutting, more hard, more edgy, um, and just kind of like grab a hold of these things that we know exist. Like if you have a community that's at threat because of immigration rules and because of DACA, like why are you never making an actual political statement? You even go to a protest and like the protest is very like, it's a screen protest. It doesn't feel like real at times. Like I wanted a little bit like a harder edge. Like if you're, if you're somebody like him, um, I'm blanking on this kid's name. So I'm to make a look at the character's name. Correct. Um, Sonny, if you're Sonny, like this means so much to you in your position like this is not just like a cool issue story that you'd protest at um this is like life and death this is like hugely life-changing and it feels like they don't really grasp the stakes of everything for the characters i will fight back about against this a little bit and specifically what you're saying about like john chu not 
having a lot of political um, depth with his movies. And so I feel like his kind of political statement away through this, at least Crazy Rich Asians, not, you know, the Bieber documentary or G.I. Joe. But um, and in these two movies, his political statement is just by pure representation, which I think has a place. It's that like not all minority stories need to be about the struggle. There also can be about them living their lives, and their, you know, culture and their community and you know their joy and i think that's the way he does he shows um you know underrepresented cultures and people um in a way of pure light and enjoyment and there's the deck of stuff i think the issue maybe is you want more of it because they introduce it because they right. tag it on the yeah. end so like you tried to but you didn't fully go in so maybe it would have been better to avoid even though once again i said that was probably the most engaging but i think there's value in what john choose doing that's by not making it as political i would say that i would say this is my pushback on that would be very clear it's like you can't introduce that stuff and then kind of like go buy it so quickly that's my biggest problem with it's like yeah. you're introducing the political aspects of this world of these people's community but you're not actually grasping it you're not actually in you know interrogating it you're not actually interacting with it if you yeah. didn't want to make a political movie don't put the politics in it you could have made a very fun movie about all these people just kind of existing in this um, neighborhood, in this community. Uh, but you you made it political by bringing that stuff in and then kind of dropped the ball by never really addressing any of the politics. It's like, uh, Sonny yeah. is not just protesting because it's a fun issue thing to do. It's not because it's trendy or something. It's because it literally impacts his ability to go to college or drive a car ever. Like there's like really huge impacts and the film just kind of, flips by them relatively fast in a way that I find and, frustrating at times. Yeah, and similar with um, Nina's story as well, they like really quickly give her a moment to say why she was uncomfortable at Stanford about her being um, kind of profiled in a way of stealing a necklace. And, and I feel like that was also under engaged with and dealt with um, and just kind of moved past to where she found reason to go back to Stanford. It's a really poorly played scene because she drops this huge moment of being like, I went out to the West Coast and they basically thought I was a thief because I'm not white. And then the scene just goes straight. Like, it feels really... Um, I don't know if I'm meaning... Uh, like it felt... It was just bad. It was a, it was a poorly played scene. Like, you, you cannot have your character say something that is as shocking and as, and as kind of crazy as that and be like, like, cause I think that the way they set it up, the way they set up her character is that she comes off being like, Oh, maybe the problem she had at Stanford was that she was struggling academically. Like they don't necessarily set it up as there was a bigger reason that she was having a problem being there. And then, so yeah. when she drops this truth bomb, like there should have been a, I feel like I, it's weird that the other characters don't react to this at all. Like there's no reaction being like, Oh my God, that's so terrible. Like, they almost seem to expect it, and if you're gonna if you're gonna play it that way, then at least interrogate why your entire cast of Latinos is expecting to be profiled. That's something interesting you could have explored, or actually come to grips and like grasp the fact that you're incredibly high achiever academic. Like the idea that like I can do great academically, I can go to the top schools, and it, at the end of the day, the only thing matters is the color of my skin. It doesn't matter how many scholarships I won. It doesn't matter how many tests I took. It doesn't matter how good my grades are. At the end of the day, I was in a, I was in a dorm room at Stanford. And the only thing that mattered was they thought the brown girl stole the, the necklace. Yeah. And as far as my like minimal research has gone, um, so it seems like what they have cut from the play too was probably the mo most politically active part 
or controversial yeah. part, which is Benny and who's her, you know, love interest in the movie, um, and her dad having a lot more conflict and fighting over, it, and there being some, um, you know, racist concepts uh, that the um, Jimmy Smith's character would have about her dating um, a, a um, black man um, and not you know, a, a Latino or a Puerto Rican. I don't know if he's supposed to be Afro-Latino or not. Um, but either way, because I think the play dealt more with him being Black and that being a con um, a problem with her father. So they, they avoided that. They didn't want to deal with these kind of inner community racist ideas, which I think would be a real interesting dynamic to explore. Um, my understanding is that Benny is supposed to be black because he's the one character that doesn't speak Spanish. Okay. okay. So, so I think, but that also would be a really fascinating thing. That's the thing that a lot of people in community immigrant communities have to deal with, which is that you come here and you build a community based around ancestry. So your community is, we are all from a part of the world, you know, we're Cubans and we're Mexicans. And then at least dealing with the fact that, you know, well, the daughter is in love with and dating someone who is not from the same ethnic background at least provides some interesting discussion. And honestly, a, a grittier edge to this musical might have been better because it feels at times like they pulled all the stuff that could have been really interesting and complex and just threw in a lot of like big dance numbers, which are really fun and enjoyable. Yeah. But they also, I think the biggest thing for me that I've been just kind of shocked with coming out of watching this was all these people giving it like four and a half and five stars and being like, where does this movie get above like good? Like it just doesn't have any astounding moment to me that goes, well, yeah, this is a great movie. Like, to me, it always feels like it has like really impressive dance numbers are really fun to be in, but they're also somewhat forgettable after they happen. And then the stuff between them is a little bit, um, a little bit underwhelming and just kind of not as yeah. engaging as you want it to be. And like the emotional heft is there but it's like really easy to access and easy to like articulate emotions there's nothing to yeah too complex about what they're doing with and sometimes i found like a little overly angsty and the um character emotions that they really want to explore especially um some of the um vanessa's like stuff i never i feel like i never fully even understood where state mind was i feel like there was like i need to get out but then there was like art she sings in the song that our community is falling apart. It's like, but you also want to leave. And so it's really kind of hard to understand and sometimes, but you can still like, there's this universal emotion. So it's like, where's your community? So I get where people connect with it. It's just never like actually complex or insightful. It's all pretty bare bones. Um, but where I think this movie does succeed highly and to where I think sometimes people can, um, you know, forgive it for some of its flaws is I and I wrote this in my live box review is that I, I think John Chu, who you just dismissed pretty quickly, but I think he has a very valuable place as a blockbuster filmmaker. I think the you know visual floor, she is really inventive with this camera, really tries to make this something interesting to look at, especially when you're talking about a stage adaptation. And we, we spent all last year, there's so many play adaptations talking about what is a cinematic you know, play adaptation and how it's so hard to, to articulate that. Musicals usually have a little bit easier time because they're just so much more physical and kinetic in a lot of ways. It's easier to be creative with it. Um, but I, I, he definitely made this like cinematic. This is has a reason to exist outside the stage because of, you know, how explorative his camera is. Um, and not just like the very like effects driven flourishes of I said my the streamers like coming down to the city or them like dancing on the side of the building. Even sometimes just, um, like Gunavi looking 
you you see his like reflection through the window while you're watching everyone dance on the outside. So you can see him like in, in the center. And it's really interesting framing, almost like a musical video kind of framing, but um, just like very engaging. That's like something, there's this like 20 moments where I was like, this can never be something you see on stage. And I'm, I'm glad I'm seeing that now. And I, I, I just, why I find valuable this and Chris Virgations, which I think also just has a really you know specific visual style is something that I don't think a lot of other mainstream makers are making in non-action movies. Um, for blockbusters, I mean, there's not a lot of non-action blockbusters anymore, but, um, mm -hmm. but sometimes it just seems like there's a house style in a lot of uh, studio movies anymore, and, and this is not a house style. He's really trying to make this a visually engaging film, the same crazy rotation. So I find value in him as a blockbuster filmmaker for that, even though I don't love any of his movies. Um, and, and maybe if he finds the you know, right screenplay, I think he can have some great success, though. So. Yeah, no, I'm not going to argue against any of that. I actually don't think, I think he does have an interesting visual style. I think 96,000 is a pretty cool sequence where they're walking down the street talking and they kind of use the ability of the characters to imagine stuff and then create it into thin air is a very cool moment. Yeah. Um, there's like quite yeah. a lot of others where it works real. It is a, it is a gorgeous movie. It has great colors. Like we spent a lot of time talking about how like some filmmakers um, in other reviews have like obsessed with like being super dark and edgy. This movie is like in love with color. It loves just colors everywhere. They love just the vibrancy of colors, how beautiful colors are, how you can put different colors on different characters and how great they look. It is a gorgeous looking movie. Again, my biggest problem with Chu is always then I just think he doesn't narratively offer very much. Um, I think he, I think his movies yeah. look good, but his, his movies always kind of look like a really great trailer, but then I never get the meat of it that I want yeah. after I see the flash. As I said, like easily accessible emotions. It's all kind of surface level. Yeah. Nothing deeper. yeah. The surface level is a really good way to describe this film. Outside of a couple moments, it is very frustratingly so surface level. You want more. Um, do you want to talk about cast members? Let's talk cast members. So we talked yeah, about who, Ramos. Who, who's your highlights? Let's go with that. Who's your, who's okay. Your I think there are three big highlights. Ramos is one of them. Okay. I think Corey Hawkins as Benny is great. Amazing. I think he's, he's a superstar. He just has that big given the right like material to work with. I was I remember when he did Straight Outta Compton. I was like, I feel like he, he was my be, favorite from that. I was like, he was might be the most take. he might be the most talented person in that cast. And then you yeah. look at his movies he's doing, and he's like, he just hadn't gotten anything good enough. And then he's got this, and he got put in like losing like a cog movie, like blockbusters. That it, he was just playing like a bare bones generic character put into an action movie without any real characterization or something to work with, but yeah, so he he hasn't gotten to dig deep, which I would say this is digging that deep. They don't they he gets the least to work with of the four main cast members. But he's great, so charming, so good. He also just has a career where like so, he just like so takes entire years off. He just like takes entire years off in his career. Like he just, it, it's not even that he like is getting bad projects. He just like he has literally four credits between this and Straight Outta Compton. Yeah. Although he's playing Macduff in the tragedy of Macbeth upcoming this year. That could be interesting. What like am I thinking? Really... Yeah, he was in Kong Skull Island as well. So, yeah, he's in Kong Skull Island. It's, and he's it's in a, Six a... Underground and in another like nothing. Just you don't want to roll in a Michael Bay movie to be your like dramatic. Well, especially the current day Michael Bay movie where it's like it's not even 
going into theaters and making money. It's like Michael Bay that goes to Netflix. Um, oh, he was in great in Black Klansman. He's pretty he good in Black Klansman. There's a one scene moment, um, you know, giving a speech, but being pretty electrifying, which I think is, you know, he has a lot of energy. A lot of those action movies you said took away all that energy and made him a little more stoic, especially like Six Underground. He was like, uh, you know, stoic sniper dealing with, you know, his like, past war tragedies i mean congratulations um, on remembering a character's role from six someone recently so okay I, congratulations I, I myself thank you but um anyways i think he is not that kind of performer i think he is like a real blockbuster star and that like he needs to have a high level energy which is not the doctor general he did great in that and it wasn't a high energy one but in this i think because she says like a great smile. He's like a great smile and the way he shakes his head. He's just a really good looking guy. Um, but also just like watching a movie is a very interesting, like physical performer. Yeah. He um, also has like the he has the little bit of the nervous awkwardness whenever his like the woman yeah. who's in love with comes near them. It's actually like we said it's a little goofy with Ram most of the times. With him, it's incredibly endearing because you understand that feeling like just so well. Like anyone yeah. who's ever been like interested in somebody else and gotten a little awkward near them, like really gets the Hawkins character. That's just like like that's a very just typical dude. It actually, I, I now that you've talked about it, I'm kind of annoyed that they never gave him the subplot about like fighting with the father over the different ethnicities. Like I feel like why his, would you not give? I want more of him. Cut. Give more of him. He's like more so him. good. And who I think is another standout is Jimmy Smith. I think Jimmy Smith is real good. Uh, I didn't. I didn't include Jimmy Smith in my list mostly because I think his role is so background and like he's good in it, but I don't think that that character really does anything. I think honest. he does. Maybe it's a lot of bias because one of the things my like easy sucking points emotionally that always get me are proud parent scenes, and he gets to have the proud parent scene um, near the end of this. And, and so even though I think that. You know, Nina's storyline isn't dug as deep as it could have been. I'm still like engaged in their relationship, and the scenes that they had together, I still found pretty emotionally moving and powerful. And and they dealt with that character. They could easily made him seem a little more, um, like stuck in his own mind and not enough empathetic of his own daughter. But they they knew how to balance out his like self interest of wanting her to succeed with you know the truer like why he's interested in her going to Stanford and, and really want to make it best for herself. That, that deep down like heart of being a parent um, that I think comes off great. I, I, you know, he doesn't really get to sing much, which may be for the best, but I think he has the most emotionally moving moments to me because he's the most like seasoned screen performer and you can see the value in that. And that I almost kind of like <sighs> missed the career he maybe could have had. I feel like he's never been given the opportunity outside of television to really shine. And that's probably part of him being an actor primarily in the 90s or 2000s where there's less, you know, Latino roles. Going back to the power of this movie of how it's an all Latino cast, um, other than Corey Hawkins, um, giving him a chance to really be shine in a dramatic world that he just maybe hasn't. Cause I, I think he's terrific. He's really good. Um, my third big standout would be Olga Meredith, who plays Abuela. I think she has yeah. one of the most impressive song performances at the end when she's kind of singing the song about, like, do I stay here and help these people or do I kind of um, pass on to the next life? I think that's a really powerful sequence. And I think in some ways she's the character that you sort of get the most understanding of, like, the traditional immigrant story, the idea that like she sings about in that song, the idea like you came here because you wanted a better life and you did this and you did that. And 
you could get like the idealized version from her while you get the more jaded version from Rama. So I think and sometimes it's an interesting contrast between those two characters. I think I had some false expectations where that scene was going that never was like, I thought it was going to be this really like emotionally heartbreaking, but it always kind of kept somewhat of an upbeatness to it. And I had a, just for some reason a real hard time following it for whatever reason. I think there's just so much going on. This maybe is where John True style kind of got in the way of my ability to um, really like empathize with the moment. Um, Cause I was so distracted by like the women in the background. <laughs> Um, the whole time, so that that performance never rung as deep for me as it has for other people, and I, I found her death like kind of very sudden and very um, oh, like I'm not gonna say showing away for for uh, them to have some emotional movie. It didn't seem very natural to the moment. They didn't really build up to it. But to be clear, I like the performance of the song. I think the death is very abrupt, very sudden, yeah. and sort of underplayed, and is not as emotional as it should have been because like you're losing the matriarch of the entire block of this entire area. Yeah. This should be the, this should be the emo emotional moment of the film. And it's sad because you like it, but it, it's not heart wrenching or devastating. I think me. that's part of the song's fault. I don't think the song in the, that performance in the song are ever emotionally deep enough. I think it needs to be, should have went a little more in the heart wrenching side, more on the ballad side than that really was. I'm not familiar with the original song, but I do wonder but, if they I, changed I, it. If, if they change it, same. To make, I mean, potentially possible. I just think she's that very should, good. That should have been the like I dream a dream moment of this play. That it's just not. It's valid. or the it's memories. Valid. Why is it not memories? Because nothing should be memories. But that's um, what like I was expecting. Was that kind of like really heartbreaking ballad? Who's your other stand? You have any other standouts? Um, yeah. So those are my main three. But I also like really enjoyed. Um, who was the beautician, and I don't have her name because I lost. I'm a black clansman on IMDb all of a sudden on the Corey Hawkins rabbit hole. Oh, you want you're talking about the the three women from the beauty? I'm song? talking about the main beautician, the older one, uh, Daphne older Ruby, one. Ruben Vega, who's uh, thank you original cast of Rent. Okay, yes, and is she original cast in this? Do we know that? I, I can look at. I don't believe I so. I my thought was the only original cast member was Olga Veritas, who I think did play this I believe role. She, on stage. She's the only cast member who is yeah. returned. Okay. Anyways, because um, one thing, if you go back, Vega and, just has like a real like attitude and energy and like a recognizable personality to me. I think she just has great presence and um, like that can easily I think come off obnoxious. I think some of the um, her like tagalongs, which seemed very like. Uh, Cinderella, evil stepsister, to me, both TV actresses, recognizable TV actresses. Um, that though yep. they were a little cloying in a way that I feel like a performance of the wrong hands for for her role could have also been a little cloying, a little catty. But I think she has the right, you know, level of small amount of pathos to add to it that you do see like her as a real person and not just this like gossip um, petition in there. I found that her performance very engaging and i love the you know their lead song where they get to like get everyone on the street dancing as they they mm -hmm. are moving i found a really you know electrified performance as well so i actually like the people she's with in the beauty salon i do agree in the first scene it is a little bit jarring they're very much over the top but i think they they modulate as the film goes along so they're enjoyable by like the fun like the later on scenes um but yeah yes i agree once they become like it seems like they're more ingratiated in the community not like they're these you know judgmental yeah, you know, uh, Stephanie. 
Stephanie Beecher is from uh, like Brooklyn Nine Nine and Modern Family. She's doing the, a lot with Bale. She's, she's so really, hard. and it is very. <laughs> if you watch Brooklyn Nine Nine and you watch this performance, it is somewhat disconcerting to watch those first couple scenes because she is so different. And then uh, Dashka Polanco is from um, Orange is New Black. Orange New Black is the other one. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes that um, Stephanie Beach is doing so much, like, put basketball on going in the background. She's like, ah, I'm getting, like, ran all over, and I don't really have a chance because she was just doing so much. I'm not saying it's good. She's <laughs> just doing a lot. She's, she's doing a lot, and I think as she she's, I think she realizes that a as the film goes along. Quirks. Yeah. There's a lot of quirks and stuff, and, and it gets a, a little bit more modular as the film goes along. Um Let's talk about um, Leslie Grace and Melissa Barrera, who are kind of the two, I guess, co-leads of the film, almost. Well, I guess I guess Ramos is the lead, but they're almost... They're the three main arcs, is yeah. Usnavi, Nina, and um, Vanessa. So Nina is the girl who goes to Stanford and then comes back and has to deal with, like, racism and profiling and, like, doesn't want to go back, but is also in love with Benny, but then decides to go back... I do think one of the frustrations we've already mentioned this is that this arc is a little frustrating because it feels like they don't spend enough time talking about why she wants out of Stanford and they don't spend enough time talking about why she goes back to Stanford. Um, oh yeah. That's another, like I, they, they use the dreamers plot just to move the other characters that aren't really like, aren't sunny, not the one actually doing with his immigration status. They use his drama just to propel the hit her arc and Musnavi's um, arc which seems a little uh, like a misuse of that idea because it's all just inspire her. I'm going to go back and like help the dreamers. And that solves my, you know, comparatively a lot more minor conflict of what he's dealing with. Yeah. And I think it's part of that problem is that when you don't initially engage with the reason why she let, wanted to leave Stanford, you don't feel like you have to give a better reason for her going back in the first place. So that, that the plotline feels just underplayed. I like her in the film. I think she's good at what she's doing. My problem is is not even with her performance. It's that I just think narratively they kind of failed that character. No, I don't think she should have went back because it doesn't make sense with what they want for that character of her trying to find her community. Her finding a purpose back where she had trauma just doesn't yeah. make sense to the story at all. So like, can't, I feel like they should have found a nearby She like, should have transferred. She should have transferred and found a way for her to still find purpose but i think this movie is doing with the idea of like do you want to you know make keep yourself within this community that you can see your like identity expressed or do you get um you know want to avoid that the community changing and instead of helping it try to you know find yourself somewhere else that's kind of the general theme that all the characters you know are fighting with all four mm -hmm. And, and that's her too. So to make that more like resonant would be her finding a way to thrive within her community um, as they're you know, undergoing some sort of gentrification or rather like, than going back to Stanford to help the Hispanic culture as a whole. I think this movie in a lot of ways was dealing with Latino culture on the, in the small scale, like it was specific to this community, but having her like, I'm gonna help the dreamers um, broadens that scale to what the rest of the movie was not doing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this, it, it feels, it, it just plays better. If it's like, oh, I'm transferring to Princeton, I'm transferring to Yale, I'm transferring to NYU, or just like, it. there's not an explanation for why she chooses to like willingly go back into an environment that she clearly hated and was not good for her. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. 
And I do think that the performance was, is good. No, she the just, performance is good. I think the yeah. dreamers thing is the one that's kind of even more annoying where it's like, I think the movie works so much better when it's a personal story of this community. And then it makes, feels like it makes some kind of clumsy attempts to be like, and I will help all Latinos, you know, like <laughs> that, those moments just feel kind of goofy. And it's like, why don't you like, like if she'd been like, I'm going to help Sonny. That's like a personal emotional connection. That's like driving her character. Instead. She's like, and I will help all of them. It feels like a, like weirdly, like, like a yeah. weird, like savior it's moment. That just it's a movie that's so community focused. It's so focused on that um, Washington Heights community that anything when it tries to broaden its idea, it, it feels artificial. Yeah. And then we talked about how Melissa Barrera, who is the working in a beauty song in love with you, Snobby, the worst um, um, wants to move <laughs> but can't get somebody to sign for her because she doesn't make enough money. Like this plotline is. And I liked her performance. Her plotline is garbage. They it's, just never grab no on to anything interesting or, or really handle with enough. It's always, and as I said, it's a little contradictory at moments of, of what her motivations are. Sometimes it seems like she wants out. Other times it seems like she wants to help save the community. Uh, I, I, I don't fully get, but mainly they, they you know, have some of an interesting scene, her being the pretty automatically um, denied because of a lack of uh, credit card, and that's kind of like the cycle uh, of how do you, you know, um, have any upward mobility if there's all these um, rules, uh, kind of unfair rules and culturally, um, culturally unfair rules in place. But once again, just like all the other storylines, that it's dealt like as a step for her plot, but never really dealt with thematically or investigated yeah. in any way interesting. To which is her whole character then has no like real, um, yeah, interesting emotional depth to it at well, all her character just becomes the love snobby love love interest and nothing more and especially her plot line about wanting to move out is really undercut by the fact that then the beauty salon has to start dealing with like very similar things and like but their plot is much more interesting because their plot is like hey we we're a business is being forced out because rent is going yeah. up in this area yeah, it's I want that story for that story sure. feels like way more interesting and honestly i would rather have more daphne rubin vega because i think she's just a more interesting. This is a more interesting story with a more interesting screen. Presence. This is my least favorite of the yeah four main performances as well as hers because I think she just like writes the angst of it a little too strong. She's very good. The songs. She's very good in the songs and the dances. Okay, yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's definitely moments where it feels like we're not getting as much from her as like some of the other characters. She's the character I feel like I least understand, and and she's and I say like Benny. It has barely nothing going on in the story, but I feel like because of it, Corey Hawkins' performance, yeah, I, I can I can get a read on that character a little more. He 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 offers some insight into his brain just by his performance, and she doesn't have anything really different to offer. Well, I think it's because she is her talent level as a performer is kind of is dependent on what she's given from the script and the, and the, on the, the story so that her performance struggles because she's given kind of this boring, nothing plotline. While Hawkins is so talented that he can kind of just take what's a not particularly brilliant or fascinating storyline and be like, I'm going to be three times better than what they've given me just yeah. on pure charisma and like talent. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, Two other characters. I already mentioned Gregory Diaz, uh, the fourth, as Sonny. I think he's very charming and very funny. Um, yeah. 
He's a good performance. Good performance, yeah. Yeah, like well, also, but I, I feel like you deserve to call this out. Like he's a sixteen-year-old kid in this like large movie. That's like pretty impressive that he's able to be as as engaging as he is. Like you, you don't have this frustration where sometimes in movies you're like, can you get the teenager off the screen? I don't want to spend time with him. Like he's an enjoyable screen presence, and I do kind of wish they delved a little bit more into his backstory because I feel like he's in some ways the most interesting character in the entire thing. And then um, Jimmy Smith, who plays Nina's I dad. Talked about him. He's good. Um, I, t- I, I talked about him. No, no, no. I'm not gonna. I'm not. That's not what I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I'm not yeah. gonna talk about performance. I, I. The one thing for him, I don't understand is the whole yeah. the selling the business angle. I think is a little more confusing than no, I think they. I want. think it makes sense. It may, they they build up to that because there's a, like he just really desperate for her to go to Stanford. She lies to him about like missing the deadline. So he's just trying to find money because that's his main priority. Is not his own trajectory anymore he's like given up like it's reached it's like peak and she's gonna go to bigger heights than i could ever do so his priority is to keep her in school so he's trying to pay for college yeah but i think they they also don't i, I wish they dug a little bit more into her rejection of his money because she's like i don't want you selling the whole business to put me through school i think that plot line could have been a little bit I, I she the, did take the money and go to school well that's the problem is like she has this like <laughs> The resolution's seconds. the issue, not the conflict, I think. The yeah. resolution's just so quickly tied up. That, that could have been touched on a little bit more. And yeah. again, this is kind of going back to our entire biggest critique of the film, which is that it is very surface level. It is very shallow. Yeah. Even though when the resolution is so tied up, I say it's the most emotionally moving scene because it gets to have, a, I'm a proud dad, and I always knew you were going to like, be better than me. The line, though, like, this is the moment that you have done better than me. It's It's is, goofy. Is it's it, pretty good. I like it. No, it works. It's I actually don't funny. think it works. I think it's silly. I like silly. Oh, I eat that shit up. I like parental pride. Here's the thing. I don't think the line works, but I think it works because in some way, I, I'll, I'll accept it because I Jimmy Smith is just a legend. And he, and he delivers that with, yeah, full pathos. I feel like anyone else delivers that line, you literally are laughing at it. You're like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, but it's Jimmy Smith. He's no. Honestly, like I, I want like Jimmy Smith. I never thought about him this way, and after watching this, I like he needs to have a real like Oscar like movie. Honestly, like I do support an actor for this. I'm not against that, but that's not going to happen. But I want him to get be given some real kind of Oscar potential role. I think he has a lot, lots to deliver dramatically that says we give the chance. Yeah, um, I'll go final thoughts first, which is that I think the best parts of this is the thing of the song and dance numbers because they're the ones where you just kind of get to watch the spectacle and enjoy the spectacle i think when it digs down into character motivations and like the more complex stuff or like even the politics it kind of falls short in some ways i really wish this film had like a more a little bit of an edgier director who really wanted to take on those issues i think that would have been in some ways a lot more interesting um but i enjoy what we got even if i think it is very flawed um yeah I will definitely be watching, you know, the walking, you know, the in the Heights dance number, 96,000 dance number, the pool dance number. Like I will watching, I will be watching these numbers on YouTube in the upcoming months and enjoying the hell out of them. Although I don't necessarily see myself revisiting the whole film as much because um, it is a little bit long and uh, definitely has some down moments. Yeah, I don't see myself revisiting, but I also found myself kind of hoping that like John Chu, John M. Chu could get like five more movies because I said I think there's a place for him. And I think there's something that really will click at some point. Um, and so that, yeah, that's where a lot of my interest was just kind of investigating him as a director and as an auteur in a way that I don't think he has really 
been giving that because he has like now you see me in gi joe people kind of will dismiss and not look at really what he's offering um and and, and as a musical i i so i mean i think i'm engaged in the performance and the dance of it all but the songs and self said sometimes tend to run together um and especially like rap portions i think Lynn Monroe miranda just has a very specific cadence he uses all his raps it just sometimes causes everything to blur yeah that's fair um before we get off of i want to stop talking about the film for a second we'll get rid of the spoiler thing and i just want to talk about a couple of this is the first one we talked about that has any larger play outside of an individual film i know um so two things. One, this movie really bombed at the box office. It only made $11 million. It finished at number two behind A Quiet Place. It was in its third week. And I was looking this up, and there's a lot of discussion like, oh, is this the fault of HBO Max? But then the actual truth of the matter is it performed like significantly worse than things that have done well in theaters. Like I believe it had less than a million people watched it on the first weekend compared to like three millions for stuff like you know, Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, on HBO Max, they released yeah. the numbers? Yeah, they had, they, no, they didn't release them or some other service that has been releasing numbers for streaming services has been doing them. Oh. Um, so, like, I don't trust the exact figures, but if you look at the trends, it's basically like, this performed poorly at the box office because it also performed poorly on the streaming service versus these other releases. Like, it did worse than, like, Mortal Kombat. It did worse than, like, Conjuring. It did worse than, like, basically every one of them. Um, and I wanted to talk about two things. One, I think the biggest thing that that tells us is just that the buzz for this movie was not as much as everyone thought. And off that, I wanted to know, what do you think that this says for any potential Oscar campaigns that this film might have had? Because I think it's really hard as a blockbuster to get nominated for Oscars if your film doesn't make money. I almost think the Oscar campaign could be its savior. That can bring the interest and bring it back to relevance rather than losing. I don't think Oscars is always tied in the box office as we think it is, especially since most no Oscars movies aren't are no, no, successful. No. I'm saying more four blockbusters, four blockbusters. Yeah. Box. There's a reason that the blockbusters that we've seen in recent years are Joker and Black Panther and all these movies that have made a lot of money. But like Green Book kind of should have like in a way been a blockbuster. It was like polished that way and still is kind of a letdown box office wise. Or not this huge, you know, that's really the kind of movie that will ride on audience appeal and being this crowd pleaser. And then just like not tons of people saw it like they would have expected. But it still was able to write off whatever charm people saw in that movie. So I think as long as it still pleases, you know, the audience that just likes crowd pleasers, I think it'll be fine, even if it's not making much money. Um, I don't know how much the voters fully look into it. Um, and to how much money that they make, but oh. I just think what we think of blockbusters is that like is the crowd pleaser effect. There's this type of people love big crowd pleasing movies, and those that usually do that very well tend to make money. And this is just a rare moment that it just doesn't. That's fair. I mean, I think my biggest two statements against that would be: I don't think it matters to the voters, but I think it does matter to the studio who is choosing to run Oscar campaigns for these things. And secondly, I would say the difference between this and Green Book is Green Book came out in November. This came out in blockbuster season. I just, I don't know how much, I don't know how much push um, HBO, um, Warner Brothers is going to put behind this now. It kind of, um, you know, was not as impressive as they may have thought it would be. But I said maybe they push for it as it's rescued. 
as to bring because it's going to be on the streaming site and it could bring people back if it can build up that awareness. It brings up a new level of interest. Um, can I say my very cynical take on why this movie didn't succeed? Yeah. Because forty 47% of America heard the word dreamers and was never going to watch this movie. I, I don't think, I think it is totally fair to at least broach the topic of being like, you made an entire movie full of Latinos. There is a percentage of the population that just does not give a crap about stories that are not about women. Yeah, and when the, I think the previous special played up some of the political elements that we said weren't as engaged, that there's played a little more, I think, in the preview. Mm-hmm. And I think this easily could have been dismissed as like liberal propaganda by very unfair Americans because they just see people of color and think that's, um, you know, a a liberal white erasure. <laughs> this is just how people think. Um, and I, 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 and that's horrible. And yeah. Maybe it, maybe I heard it. They don't see Kong and Godzilla and things that they're going to take away the America that they used to know. Well, I think that part of that is there definitely is a thing where if you're if you're if your worldview is not challenged, it's easier to go watch a dumb action movie because they never challenge your worldview. I will say the one argument against my case that they this might hurt its Oscar chances is that I don't know if you've looked recently. Warner Brothers has nothing for Oscar play right now. Like if they're you're looking at their stuff, like their best options Dude. might be like. This or Dune, I don't think Dune is an Oscar player. If I'm being completely honest, um, it'll be it'll get effect stuff. It'll be one playing the visual stuff. I think it's like it's in the Heights or King Richard is kind of the the stuff that they're probably leaning on. I do I think, think it's gonna Dune, be- if it is good, will get like five or six nominations, but it'd be all technical things. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens within the Heights going forward. Does it bounce back box office? I don't think it will. I think it might just be kind of a write-off as a film that just didn't hit the way we wanted it to. And, you know, that'll be, like, a good post-mortem in years to come for, like, what happened with In the Heights. You know, was no, it... There's no song written for this movie, right? That was it in the play. So there would be I no candidate. Probably so. I did see one critique from some film writers that the biggest problem with In the Heights was it's not a particularly famous musical. And the, the advertising for the film did little to reach out to people who weren't already engaged with Lynn and this movie to begin with, which I think is probably I, a valid criticism. I know. I, I thought the trailer was so successful last year, but maybe the long wait of it. Like, I think it's hype might have maxed out in um, March 2020 when the That's trailer fair. was like playing on heavy rotation and maybe people just lost their interest. That's that. fair. Um, well, We've come to the end of our review of In the Heights. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching, for listening. If you've got comments, if you've got you know thoughts, you know throw them out there. We are totally admit we're kind of a little bit in the minority right now. Who are kind of a little bit um... like it. I think we just sound more negative because of the well, there are yes. to how much people love it. There are people out there who are like, "This is the best movie of the year. This is amazing. This is perfect." Just and we're like, over here. You have Christmas. If you hear me talk about this and then hear me talk about Girl in the Window, you would think I was like adored Girl in the Window so much more. But it's because sometimes when you're on the opposite end of other people, though, that kind of highlights those specific takes, makes it like a little more emphasized. When you're in the minority, so you I often would say sound I'd more. probably like this more than Girl in the Window, but I'm less on the defensive end of that and more trying to give, yeah. Yeah. A little more. Well, we hope, you, we hope you enjoyed our different take. Um, you know, watch the movie, 
come back to us. We'll have to debate you. Throw stuff in the comments. We've got letterbox reviews. You can go Damn there. It. It's woman in the window, not girl in the window. I had not named this movie right fucking once. Zach is the only person who likes this movie and simultaneously <laughs> cannot name this movie. Settle. All right, folks, we're out. Um, enjoy our regularly scheduled content coming back Saturday. Enjoy more reviews. We will have one upcoming for the Pixar film Luca. Um, you hope you enjoy that as well. Um, yeah. Peace out, homies.